Well, good morning, Revolution Church. How are you guys? Uh, great to see you guys here. I know we got a little family reunion going on up here front row. But give them a great big God bless you. Awesome, awesome. Um, <clears throat> so glad you guys are here today and um, with uh, our post-daylight savings time. Come on. How many enjoyed that extra hour last week, huh? I can always tell that people um, get to church on time and daylight savings time. Come on, somebody. Help me out. So good to see you guys here. Welcome to uh, week number one of our new series that we're doing here uh, at Revolution Church. It's called Generosity. Can someone say generosity? Come on. Now, the reason why we, we, we love this topic is because um, we feel like it's one of the core values of our church. We really feel like as uh, God um, has been so generous to us that the least that we could do is return that generosity on his behalf. Generosity was God's idea. It really wasn't our idea. And so when you think about how generous God has been with us, think about this. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, he still sent Jesus to die for us. How many can see generosity in that, right? And so one of, one of the things that we want to get a, get a hold of here is in generosity is that is, is one of our core values because we've understood this, that when people can taste your generosity, they would be open to your theology, right? So when people hear and they experience goodness, when they experience generosity, they're open to the things that we said. Now, who tell the truth out here that, you know, you've experienced that a time or two where somebody was generous with you and it suddenly made you more open to something they had to say, right? Okay, awesome. I can see that the three or four of you guys are really responding today. That's really good. Awesome. Okay, awesome. Okay, so one of the things I want to share with you guys is, is the whole concept of generosity. What most people don't understand, it actually started in the early church. Because most people don't understand this, is that in the early church, when persecution started, uh, prisoners were arrested. And back in that day, prisoners didn't have rights. They didn't have um, uh, ability to, to say they wanted things done a certain way. There wasn't anybody protecting them. When you were arrested back then, you went to prison and you were left there to die. If, some, if a family member didn't feed you or clothe you or whatever, you just basically died in prison. That's how barbaric it was. And so the early church got a hold of this. And the early church recognized this. And so when early Christians were being arrested for whatever reason, families and people within the church, they started bringing food. They started bringing clothing. They started bringing things to the prison to take care of the prisoners. Isn't this awesome? And so through this act of generosity, the Roman guard and the centurions, they started to see why would you do this? Why would you bring food? Why would you bring uh, clothing to these condemned people? And they started to see the love of God. They started to see these generous acts, these acts of kindness. And the Roman guard started inquiring about this Jesus. Roman guard started showing up in places of worship. Roman guard started asking about Jesus and be, started to become Christians as a result of generosity. Are you guys getting this? And so the reason why generosity is so important is because sometimes that's our way into people's hearts. And I know this. I know that you guys would agree with me. God so loved the world that he what? Gave. He gave his son. So generosity started with God. And so when you start to see uh, Jesus in action, you begin to see how generous he was with his time, his talent, and his treasure. Now, one of the things we do uh, when we get into a message like this, we start talking about generosity. People automatically think, oh, this is going to be one of those messages about giving. And that's really not the case. What I wanted to do is to catch the heart of generosity. Because I really believe as we catch God's heart for generosity, I really believe it will change our life. Do you know that generous people are more happy? Amen. 
Any happy people in this place here today? If you're not happy, okay, so, but generous people are happy. They're people that are filled with purpose. They're people that are involved in things that are much bigger than themselves. People are willing to share their time and their talent and their treasure. They really are some of the most happiest people in the world. But one of the things that, that I want to do today is catch this concept, that generosity is just not about giving, but there, there's this concept called emotional generosity. Being generous with people, being generous with being kind to somebody, being generous with telling somebody they did a good job, being generous with somebody telling them that they look great, even if you think you're lying. Just kidding, okay? So just being generous. How many of you like it when somebody is generous with you? Come on. How many like it when somebody says, hey, you did a good job, right? Okay, so I think we got to practice this here. Today. Do me a great big favor because I, I like to feel some generosity. Do me a great big favor. Say, hey, Pastor Dino, I think you're doing a good job. Come on, come on. Oh, man, that is so awesome. Thank you. I feel so much better right now. Awesome. 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 So being generous, being emotionally generous is, is a big deal. And so being positive is really, really big. And so Jesus said this. He said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, why would he say that? It is more blessed to give than to receive. Because I'm like you. I like to receive things. Any good receivers here in the house? Okay. Any, anybody... Anybody awake in this house here today? Come on. How many like to receive things? Come on. Where's all the honest folks? i got to see the hands. How many like to get stuff? All right? Okay. Now, when he says it's more blessed to give than to receive, it, it seems like, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a contrary focus here. Okay? But when you understand what Jesus was saying when he, when he made this comment, the word blessed is actually the word well off. So you could read that scripture like this. You're more well off when you give than when you receive. Isn't this awesome? Amen. So there's something here. There's a concept here that I believe that we catch. And I believe Jesus, when he puts this out here to us, that he wants us to catch. I believe that it opens up the door for what I'm going to call the setup. Can somebody say the setup? When God asks us to do something, when he asks us to be generous with our time, our talent, or our treasure, I believe with all my heart that it's because there is a setup. Can somebody say the word setup? Come on, help me out. All right, all right. Now, so let's do this. I want to do a little survey says here before we get into the heart of this message and, and the heart of what Jesus has done for us and, and, and the generosity that we see in the scripture that I hope that we can catch here today. All right, so I want to do this little survey says thing here today, all right? So, because I think uh, this is eye-opening, and when I do this for people, they're just like, wow, I had no idea. Okay, so there are four words in the Bible, the word believe, prayer, love, and give in the Bible, okay? And so I want to just do a little guess here in terms of, like, how many times you think this word shows up in the Bible. First word I'm going to talk about is the word believe. How many would say the word believe is an important word? Right? Believe that you receive. Jesus said, you know, we have to believe in Jesus. Believe, come into our heart, right? So, so how many of you would say, uh, who, who just do a guess here, but how many times the word believe shows up in the Bible? How many times? Come on, help me out. Hundred times, somebody else? Come on, somebody else? Four hundred. Okay, let's see. Throw it up there. All right, so believe shows up two hundred and seventy-two times. Isn't that awesome? Okay, all right. So let's talk about the word prayer. How many say prayer is pretty important in the Bible, right? How many agree with me? Praying to God is important, right? Spending time with God is important. How many of you know that, that Jesus talked about prayer a lot, right? Right? So how many would guess how many times the word prayer shows up in the Bible? Come on. Come on. Survey says. Come on. 
400, come on. 300, 450, okay. Let's see how many times. Survey says 371 times. Isn't that awesome? Prayer, such an important topic to Jesus. All right, okay, now let's look at um, the word love. How many of you agree the word love is so important, right? Love your neighbor, right? Do good to those who persecute you. God is what? Love. We should love other people, right? The word love shows up in the Bible. Let's take a guess. How many times? 700, okay. 800, come on. Where are you guys this morning? Are you guys out here? Come on. Where? Come on. 500, somebody else. What did you say back up there? I still can't hear you. 480 times. Okay, let's see. And the survey says 714 times. Bible talks about love 714 times. Wow. All right. So last, last word. You guys ready for the last one? Yes. All right. The word give. Now, don't shut down on me. This is not about giving financially. This is all about evaluating our time, our talent, and treasure because it's important to God. God started this whole thing, and it's his heart that we would catch on, all right? So who would help me to understand how many times the word give shows up in the Bible? Come on. 1,000, 900, somebody else, 500, back over there, I heard a big deep voice back over there, 1,200, okay, awesome, and let's say this together, the survey says, come on, 2,000, isn't that amazing, if you add up the first three words together, it doesn't get to 2,161, giving is important to God. It's one of the very essence of him. In fact, if you study the life of Jesus, you see Jesus constantly on the move, constantly giving, constantly making himself available to people. Aren't you guys glad that Jesus makes himself available? Come on. How many of you guys, how many of you guys thankful that Jesus made himself available to you, right? And so, so Jesus, he, he was always out in ministry. He was always doing something. He was always ministering to somebody. And we love this about Jesus. And he was always so generous with his time, so generous with his treasure, so generous with his affection, all right? And his very heart, as we would catch it, one time he was pursued by a synagogue leader whose daughter was dying. Think This is amazing. The synagogue leader broke protocol because synagogue leaders in that day were actually opposed to Jesus' ministry. Jesus showed up on the scene, and he started talking about God as his father, not God as his judge. Well, this freaked out the synagogue leaders and all the people that were adherents to the law, because all they knew was God as judge. you got to pay for your sin. you got to pay. How many of you heard that? you just got to pay for your sin, right? And so here's Jesus. He shows up. He says, listen, I'm here today to introduce you a new way. God is father. God is not interested in you paying for anything. I know there was a day when people who sinned, that their sin was held against from generation to generation, but I'm here today to tell you there's a new day. We're here to serve God as Father. How many know that's good news, right? All right, and so he shows up and he with this new message. So this synagogue leader's daughter is dying. And so he decides to break protocol because he knows that Jesus is a healer. Very interesting. Even people who are caught up in religion, they know where to go to get the real deal. Come on. 
And so he leaves the synagogue and he finds Jesus. And Jesus knows he's a synagogue leader. Jesus knows he's a religious leader. And Jesus still says, I will come to your house and heal your daughter. And so he leaves there and he's on his way to Jairus' house to heal his daughter. But in the midst of this, this crowd is following Jesus. They're they're, they're pressing in. They're, they're, they're wanting to touch him. He's famous. Everybody knows he's a healer. Everybody knows he, he's this great preacher. And so they're thronging around him. They're, 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 they're crowding in on him. And he's just walking, trying to get to Jairus' house. And Jairus is with him. And then all of a sudden, somebody reaches in and touches the hem of his garment. And Jesus stops. And he said, who touched me? And the whole crowd just stops. This is amazing. Jesus stops everything. He stops the crowd. He stops his pursuit to Jairus' house. And he says, who touched me? Because here's what happened. There was a woman who was sick. And she had this issue of blood. She was, she was bleeding for years. Sold all of her money. Lost her reputation. Lost her family. Lost everything. So in this last minute ditch, she decides, I'm going to press into Jesus because somebody told me that if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be healed. And that's exactly what she did against the law and against all odds. She pressed into the hem of his garment. And when she did, Jesus said, who touched me? And the disciples said, can you imagine being them? Jesus, everybody's touching you. What's wrong? Who touched me? He says, no, this was a different kind of touch. This was a touch from somebody that touched me by faith and touched me in faith because virtue came out of me out of that touch. I know all you guys are putting your arm around me and we're shaking hands and we're high-fiving on the way to Jairus' house and we're on a mission, but this was a different kind of touch. Come on, somebody. This was a touch of faith. This is a touch where somebody touched me in a way that virtue came out. So he's looking around. Who touched me? Now, here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put yourself in Jairus' shoes for a second. His daughter is sick and dying, and here's Peter. He's taking the time here to do another healing service. Come on. And so he's, imagine being Jairus, okay? But here's Jesus. He's going to be generous. He's going to be generous with his time. He's going to be generous with his talent. He's going to be generous with his treasure. And aren't you guys glad that he is generous with you? Come on. And so he does this. He stops, and he tells this woman, you're... Your faith has made you whole. Go. And, and so then in the middle of this dialogue, now remember, Jairus' daughter is dying. A messenger shows up and says, your daughter now is dead. Imagine Jairus, the synagogue leader. And I just love what Jesus said. Jesus said, don't worry. She's asleep because we're going to go and raise her. And that's exactly what he did. Come on. And if you're sleeping here today, God's going to raise you. Come on. <laughs> All right. So generosity, it's in the heart of God. And I really believe this. I believe that when we get a hold of the heart of generosity and we get a hold of what Jesus wants to do in our life, when he asks us to do something, it's part of the setup. I really believe this. I've seen this in my own life. We're going to see this in the scripture. And, and maybe you'll see something new here today. You know, this is, this is a generous bunch. It really is. And I'm just so honored by your faithful giving. I'm so honored by a church our size. This is just our seventh service. This is amazing. And what you guys have been giving. And it's just been amazing. And so this is really not a message about giving. Because your, your giving has been amazing here at this church. But really, this is really a message about being generous with other people. Being generous to forgive. Being generous to reach out to somebody in need. Being generous 
to think of somebody. How many of you ever down and out and you got a call by somebody just out of the blue and it completely lifted your spirits? Come on. Amen. How many of you have been that person, right? You, you were on the receiving end. And I just got to tell you, that is very heart of God, okay? And so I want to pick up reading this story here. And I, I want us to see ourselves in Luke chapter 5. It's a story where Peter, or where Jesus is calling Peter into the ministry, okay? In Luke chapter 5, um, it's another example of the generosity of Jesus. Another example of when we see Jesus interacting with man or interacting with somebody. And, and I hope you can see yourself on the scripture like I saw myself in the scripture when I read this, all right? And so Luke chapter 5 says this uh, in verse 1. It says, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, by the fisher, uh, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. All right, so this is the kind of the custom of the day. Lake Gennesaret was, was the largest lake in the area, and it was known for fishing. And you, it was known for catching big fish. That's the reason why it was like a, in that day, a commercial fisherman's type lake, okay? And so these boats were here. They were up on the shore. And this throng of people, this group of people was pressing in on Jesus to hear uh, him Maybe it was to be touched by him. Maybe it was to hear a message on generosity. Maybe it was to hear a message on forgiveness, a message on healing. Whatever it was, this crowd was pressing in on Jesus. And so Jesus sees these two boats at the shore, and he says, hey, I'm going to get in this one. And when I get in this one, I'm going to turn a face to the crowd, and I'm going to teach them. And he just happens to get into Peter's boat. Isn't that interesting, okay? And so two boats, but he picks Peter's boat. Always remember this. When God asks you to do something, he's ready for a setup for you. Come on, do you believe that here today? There's a setup. There's just a setup. I want you to see this. Now, here's what's very interesting, too. So this is not the first time Jesus meets Peter. This is actually the third time. So Jesus has been after Peter. So Jesus sees Peter, and he says, hey, come follow me. And Peter rejects him and doesn't follow him. Then he sees him a second time and says, hey, Peter, come follow me. And Peter's like, no, I got my own thing going. And so he doesn't follow him that second time. Think about this. If, I wonder how many times we've rejected Jesus. I won't even go there, man. I think I'm going to start meddling there. But so, All right, so this is the second time. So now... Jesus shows up at the seaside or the lakeside over here, and he gets into Peter's boat. This is not a coincidence. It is not a coincidence. When God asks us to do something, I'm telling you, it's all a part of the setup. Anybody in here need a setup? Come on. It's part of the setup. And so he steps into this boat and tells Peter, hey, Peter, will you push out a little bit? And you know, because I, I want to do some teaching over here. And so he does. And so now this boat's at least 27 feet long and at least four feet deep. So it's a big boat, okay? And so Peter actually either has to stay in the water or he's in the boat. Some scholars believe he was in the boat. And so he was in the boat, pushed off a little bit, and there's Jesus, and he starts teaching the crowd. Talk about a captive audience. Peter's in the boat while Jesus is teaching the crowd. So Jesus finishes his message. You know, he does the connection card thing. He says, hey, fill this out. Go get a free T-shirt. He does it all. Chris comes up and does his announcements, does everything, okay? And he turns to Peter. Let's pick up reading here, all right? Watch this. He says this. This is awesome. He says uh, in verse uh, 4, and when he had finished speaking, he said, Simon, Peter, put into the deep and let your nets out for a catch, all right? Now, remember, 
they fished at night. You don't fish during the day, all right? All fishing took place in the evening because that's when fish ate and that's when they threw the nets out to catch fish, all right? So this is like the afternoon now, all right? And so Jesus turns to Peter and he says, hey, I, I want you to, to go out. Let's go out to the deep and catch some fish, all right? Now, Peter, he's washed his nets because back in that day, you fished all night, then you wash your nets during the day, you, you dried them, you folded them, you stuck them in the boat, and you get ready to go out the next night. So this is a lot of work, okay? So, so, Peter, so Jesus says to Peter, hey, let's go. Let's go fishing. All right, now, Peter, Peter just does this amazing thing. He says, um, Anything you say, Lord, whatever you say, I'm just going to do. You, you speak one time, and I'm just going to do. I'm going to be first-time obedience in everything that I do, just like everybody in this room. Come on, help me out, somebody. God says something, we just do it. Anybody in this room like that? God just says something, you just do it? That's what I thought. All right, watch this. Watch this. So then Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. Now, here's what I want you to get. Jesus tells Peter to put out the nets, plural, but if you go back and study this in the original Hebrew language, okay, it's the, it's, Peter only agrees to put out one net. Peter says, put out the, Jesus says, put out the nets. Peter says, I'm going to put out the net. Are you following me? So now you get half-hearted obedience going on over here. Are you with me? And so, so I want, I want to just stop right here for a second and just, and just, and just let this sink in for a second. Who is Peter talking to? Jesus. Yeah, who's Peter talking to? So, Master, we tall all night and caught nothing. What he was saying is, I don't want to pull these nets out. We were, I'm tired. What he was really saying is, you're a preacher. You should stick to your field. I'm a fisherman. Let me stick to mine. I know what I'm doing. Have you ever told the Lord you know what you're doing? Come on. I just need some honest people in here today, <laughs> okay, because you know we've all told the Lord, you know, and we've all done this. We've all tried to do things on our own, and then when that didn't work, then we step back and say, okay, I guess, God, you're Lord of this situation, <laughs> right? Okay, we, we've all done this. So he's fighting. Peter is fighting with Jesus. Jesus is the one who created the fish, Jesus is the one who created the lake. Are you guys with me? Jesus is the one who's the creator of all things. And Peter, he has no idea who he's talking to. Come on. Oh, this is absolutely amazing. But it does not stop Jesus. With all that ignorance, with all that control, with all that, you know, I'm gonna, you know, I've been doing it my way. Who do you think to tell me how to do it? With, even with all of that, Jesus still loved Peter. Isn't this awesome? Jesus still loved Peter in the middle of the argument. Jesus still loved Peter even though he knew Peter was only going to throw out one net. Oh, are you guys getting this? All right, watch this. Watch this. And when they had done this, and when they had done this, they, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners and the other boat to come and help them and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. This is amazing. So what you see here is the supply was greater than the ability to catch the, the supply. Are you with me? The, the net was, wasn't big enough to catch all of this. He had to call partners in. Now there was only one boat 
that filled up. And that one net caught so much fish that it filled up this boat and it filled up the partner's boat where both boats were continuing to sink. Man, are you guys getting this? Guess what? And Jesus is still in the boat the whole time. He's watching all this. He's experiencing all of this. And this is amazing. And I just got to wonder, I got to wonder, and a powerful point right here that I saw as I was studying this, that Jesus still blessed Peter, even though he did what he did in half-hearted obedience. And I wonder if God will do the same thing for us. I'm not saying to be half-hearted obedient. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying whenever God asks you to do something, there is a setup. This was all a little favor that Jesus asked Peter to do, was to use his boat. And in response, there's this miraculous catch of fish. Are you guys getting this? Whatever God asks you to do, it's part of a setup. I really believe. When God asks you to do something, he asks you to reach out to someone. He asks you to be a blessing to someone. It is part of a setup. It is part of something that he's trying to do in our life. That's the reason why it says it's more blessed to give than to receive. So when you, when he asks, when Jesus asks you to do him a favor, I have some advice for you. Just do it. <laughs> it will go well for you. Come on. You know, I, I thought about this as I was thinking about this because uh, one of my first assignments in ministry was to do singles ministry. And I was single myself and I was believing to get married. And so, and I thought, why would I do singles ministry? I don't want to be single. I want to be married, okay? And so, uh, so but I, I, I got the message pretty strong that I needed to do singles ministry. And so you got to follow this out with me because I, as I was praying about this, I thought, wow, this is pretty amazing. So here was my first singles ministry meeting. There were six people there, and it was the worst Lonely Hearts group that you would ever see in your life. Okay, so here I'm trying to, you know, be God's man and be faith and power, but this person likes this person, this person likes this person, this person doesn't like anybody, and it's just a sad group. Come on. It was so pitiful. That, that first meeting was so pitiful. I'll never forget it. It was in an apartment complex uh, uh, clubhouse, and I was just like, what am I doing here? Okay? And it was just laborious. Have you been a part of a laborious situation? Anybody been a part of a laborious situation? Okay, all right. So it was hard. So I just stuck with it. But, I, but the Lord said, I want you to do this. And so I did, and I started making friends and, and, and started to just minister. This group started to grow. Next thing you knew, you know, we were five or six. It went from a lonely hearts club to about 50 or 60 people that were actually, we, we kind of wanted to, to do something special. And then it started to grow, got up to almost 200. It was pretty cool. Yeah, all it started with this lone, little Lonely Hearts Club. Come on. And so I just started to, okay, and, and this is actually where I started to find a groove for ministry. It was actually in singles ministry. I started to find that, oh, I, I can do this. You know, and, and ministry is not just speaking. Ministry is building a team. And, and we built a team of 15 or 16 people, and, and it was awesome. It was like a mini church. It was really, really cool. Little did I know that God was training me in the singles ministry for what I'm doing today. Come on. And so... When he asks you to do something, it's absolutely amazing what can happen. But, but what's more amazing is what came of that. Because one of my leaders in that situation was a, uh, 
a representative who, 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 a really smart gal, worked with us. And to this day, and I'm talking going back over 20 years, to this day, she's my financial advisor. She's a board member of this church. Come on, somebody. And she came through that singles ministry. Are you with me? All right, so, so God asked me to do this little Lonely Hearts Club. And, and all right, so now I've got... Nancy on my board. I got Nancy helping me with my financial situation. And she's pretty amazing, you guys. Okay. And listen, can I just let you in on a little secret? She was a big fan of Cedar Point. Okay. Cedar Point went public. Come on. I was in, she put me in Cedar Point before it went public. Help me out, somebody. Come on. Now you know we did really well. Come on. All right. So little Lonely Hearts Club. Come on. Are you guys with me? When God asks you to do something, he's setting you up. He's setting you up. Come on, is anybody in this place interested in a setup? Anybody hear me today? Come on. He's setting you up. He is setting you up. So it doesn't stop here. Nancy, it doesn't stop there. So as Nancy, so as, as I started to transition into planting churches when I planted my first church, I said, hey, Nancy, would you take over the singles ministry? So Nancy took over the singles ministry, and it was awesome. She did an amazing job. And then while she was leading the singles ministry, somebody joined her singles ministry. Her name was Jeannie. Come on, somebody. Are you guys following me? Jeannie joined the singles ministry. Jeannie became Nancy's assistant. Jeannie started helping Nancy with the organization of the, of the singles ministry. When Nancy decided it was time for her to move on, Jeannie turned the sing or. Nancy turned the singles ministry over to Jeannie. Are you following me? You see this progression here? So Jeannie showed up in church, and when I saw them long legs, come on, help me out, somebody. Where did this thing start? A little Lonely Hearts Club. A little Lonely Heart. Oh, come on. Listen, this got to be encouraging you. Come on. The Little Lonely Hearts Club that I didn't want to do. I did it half-heartedly, just like Peter. <laughs> I don't even think I threw a half dead in. Come on. I did it half-heartedly, and I'm watch what God did. Oh, come on. Are you with me here today, somebody? Whenever God asks you to do something, there's always a setup. He's always got you on his mind. All right, now... So I just want to encourage you guys today, especially today, because today is what we call discovery after service. Um, we do this thing. It's a little session that we do. It's free, and lunch is on us. Child care is on us, and so it's called discovery. It's part of our steps because a big win here at, at Revolution Church is you go through our steps so that you kind of find out who we are. We get a chance to find out who you are. Then we want to be able to help you to discover how God wired you, how God formed and fashioned you, okay? And so that's what happens today at the end of the service. It's called Discovery. It's awesome. I want to invite all of you to come who haven't been through Discovery. It's Like I say, lunch is free and child care is free. You should come be a part of that. I think it will be a great opportunity for you to begin to see how God has wired you, okay? And maybe, maybe this is the beginning of a setup that God has for you. Maybe the Lord is trying to get something over to you about maybe some things that he's put in your path. Maybe some things he's asking you to do. Maybe, maybe we've thought we've accomplished some things in life, but maybe there's a little bit more to accomplish. Come on, are you with me here today? So I just want to encourage you to hit steps today, all right? And, and maybe there's a step of growth that God's asking you to do. Maybe... 
that's your lonely hearts club. And maybe that'll transition to something else. Are you guys not with me today? Come on. So I'm really big on, on this, this thing when God asks us to do something. Lending our time, our talent, and our treasure. Because there's a setup. It's more blessed to give than to receive. I got to tell you something. I have been, I am on the receiving side a lot, just as my vocation and what I do as a pastor. But I have to tell you, giving and watching what a handshake does, watching what a telephone call does, watching what a little gift does, watching what a little giving somebody a, a gift card does, watching those kind of, what that does is absolutely amazing. I actually believe it's the very heart of God. And in this season, over the next three weeks, I want you to join me in this a generosity revolution that wherever you go, there's an opportunity to be a blessing to somebody. Wherever you go, there's an opportunity to shake somebody's hand, tell someone they're doing a good job, tell somebody, you know, remembering somebody's name. I was at dinner with somebody the other night, and, and this person remembered our server's name. And so when the server left, I said, why do you do that? Why do you take the time to always remember the server's name? He said, because nobody tells them, and I want them to know that they're doing a good job and that they're special. I thought, that's really awesome. Something like that. Just giving ourselves. How many of that's generous, okay? So maybe that's something that we could work on this week. Whenever you meet a server, say their name. Tell them that they're doing a good job. Tell the pastor at the end of the service he did a good job. Help me out. Come on. No, I'm just, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Maybe I'm not. No. So, so I want to I end today's message today with this because I want you to see the very heart of God. I want you to see Peter's response in the middle of this miracle. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you help us to maybe take off some barriers and take off some, some walls we might have in our mind here because God is God of amazing supply. He really is. You know, I used to say, where God guides, God supplies. But I'm beginning to see something in the New Testament that I've never seen before. I believe that God provides even or God supplies even in those areas where he doesn't guide because that's the grace God that we serve. Come on. If you make a mistake, don't you want God to show up and help you in your mistake, right? I mean, this is, this is amazing, the kind of God that we serve. But I want you to see this here. I want you to see Peter's response, all right? So look at this, Peter's response. But when Simon Peter saw it in verse 8, when he saw this miraculous catch of fish, he fell down at Jesus and he's saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He's saying he's got Jesus in the boat. This is all happening in his boat. He's on his knees, maybe kneeling on top of the fish at Jesus. And Jesus just, I could just see that I told you so smile on Jesus' face. Come on. And Peter's just there. Get away from me. I am a sinful person. Now look at, look at Jesus' response here. He says, don't. Be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. I love this. I love this. He didn't say, Peter, this is the third calling. You're very stubborn. You're very hard-headed. And I don't know that I can use you in the fullest capacity. How many are you glad he didn't say that? He didn't say, Peter, you know what? We're going to have to have some anger management classes together before I can actually use you in the kingdom. 
Peter, we're going to have to have some uh, first-time obedience discussions before I can use you. Come on, are you guys getting this? No. He says, don't be afraid. And here's what I believe Peter was, Jesus was saying to Peter. I believe he was saying to, to Peter, Peter, stop looking at your self-effort. Stop looking at uh, your works. Stop looking at who you are and who you think you are supposed to be and in your accomplishments. What I want you to do is I don't want you to be afraid, Peter. I want you to come up here because from now on, we're going to leave this life where you, you're always fighting with somebody, this life, you're always uh, 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 trying to control situations. We're going to leave this life where you're always trying to figure stuff out. I want you to come over to this life over here to where you're going to learn something about yourself. I'm going to make you a leader of men in the kingdom of God. Isn't this awesome? This was his response. And I just got to wonder how many of us in this room maybe have struggled with a response like this too from Jesus. Maybe we see ourselves as uh, stubborn. Maybe we see ourselves as, as we've missed it. Maybe we see ourselves where we don't deserve God's goodness. We don't deserve God's kindness. We don't deserve his love. Maybe that's how some of us see ourselves in here today. Oh, my hope is that you see a very generous God. My hope today is that Jesus of the Bible unveils himself to you and that you would see his love for you, even in your half-hearted obedience. His love for you, even in the times that you didn't obey. His love for you, even in the times when you didn't do the things that he was asking you to do. Oh, I'm telling you, this will radically change your life. Is, is, this, is this excusing somebody for not being obedient? Is this excusing somebody for not doing? No, 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 no. Here's the idea. When you understand how awesome Jesus is, when you understand that when he asks you to do something, that it really is part of a setup, you will say yes every single time. Come on, are you with me? You'll get it. When he asks you to be generous to somebody, when he asks you to reach out, maybe to shake a homeless person's hand, when he asks you maybe to throw a dollar in the basket or somebody you see on the street, when he asks you to do something different, maybe he asks you to be ask a little, leave a little bit more on your tip to the server. Maybe, maybe somebody at, at your job, somebody where you work is down. Maybe they could use a little pat on the back. Maybe they could use a little encouragement. Come on, are you guys hearing the heart of Jesus in this message? And I really believe it'll make the biggest difference, not only in your life, but in the life of other people. But I want you to catch this, that even if you don't, even if you don't, his response is, don't be afraid. Even if you don't, there's another chance. Even if you don't, there is another opportunity. I am so glad that the iPhone has been invented in our age. My favorite component of my iPhone is Maps and Siri. I don't get lost anymore. Come on. And when I make a wrong turn, she never calls me stupid or a dummy. Come on. There's always a reroute. There's always a reroute. Come on with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today, if you're here today and you say, you know, Pastor Dino, I don't know Jesus like this. I don't know Jesus of the Bible like this. I have been making mistakes. I have been living on my own. 
I have been like Peter, ignoring the call, rejecting the call, rejecting his goodness, rejecting his kindness. That's okay. That really is okay. I believe Jesus is here right now. I believe the spirit of the Lord is here right now. And he's prompting and he's speaking to us right now. I just believe that there are setups that are taking place right now throughout this room. Setups that the Holy Spirit is speaking and he's encouraging us, helping us right now. Man, if that's you in this room, just yield to it. Let the Holy Spirit just speak to you. What is that act of generosity? What is that thing that you've been hesitating to do? What is that thing that God has asked you to do and you've been holding back? What is it? He wants you to know there's a setup. He wants you to know that as you step out and trust him and obey him and do what he's asking you to do, there's a setup. There's something special that he has for you. That special begins when we say, Jesus, I'm coming to you. I want to fully surrender my life to you. Maybe you're here today. This is the beginning. I've said it once before already in this message. God so loved the world that he gave. Generosity was his idea. He initiated generosity. The scripture says that while we were yet sinners, Jesus still died for us. Oh, please hear my heart. While I was, while I was cruising around the campus of Western University, running from God, running from the things of God, living my life, living wretched, living the most crazy lifestyle you can imagine. While I was living that way, the Bible says that Jesus still died for me. This is amazing. This is amazing. Man, when I got a hold of this, it just changed my life. Maybe you're here today and that same thing's applying to you. Wow, we were sinners. He died for us. I just feel like there's somebody in this room, you need to hear that. You need to hear that Jesus risked his life for you even before you accepted his invitation. Even before you were born, he still risked his life for you. This is amazing. This is amazing. So if you're here today, you say, Pastor Dino, I don't know Jesus this way. I don't know the Jesus that you talk about. This Jesus that loves me unconditionally. This Jesus that says, my love for you will never change that my love for you is not based on what you do. My love is based everything on what I did. Maybe you're here today and you've, you don't know this Jesus. And I'm going to invite you to know this Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're like me. You knew Jesus of religion. A Jesus of the Old Testament. Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. Maybe you know that Jesus. I'm here today to tell you that there's a whole side of the Lord Jesus Christ that he's revealing to his church. It is part of the revolution. You're here today. You say, Pastor Daniel, that's me. I have never invited Jesus into my life. This Jesus you're talking about. I've never invited Jesus into my life. And you say, you're here today that you're making a reconnection to God. That you're reconnecting yourself to the things of God. You're reconnecting maybe to the things that God's called you to do. Just a simple relationship with him. 
for any one of those two reasons, if you're here today, you know we do this every single week because we don't want anybody to ever leave here without having the assurance that when they leave planet Earth, that they'll know for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that they would spend eternity with God. So again, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, for any one of those two reasons, I want to pray with you. Let me see your hand nice and high. Put your hand nice and high so I can agree with you. Yes, I see it. Yes, I see that hand. I see that hand. Yes, yes, yes. Come on, just, just stay with me a little moment. God's doing something amazing right now. This is awesome. This is awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. All right, I want us to all pray this prayer together because we never want to embarrass anyone. All right, let's pray this prayer out loud together. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe you. I believe you sent Jesus to die for my sins. And you raised him from the dead to pay for my sins. And I receive him right now as my personal Savior. Thank you for saving me, Lord. Thank you for healing me, Lord. Thank you for giving me purpose, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please, come on. Let's all put our hands together for those people who just gave their heart to Jesus. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. It's a celebration when that happens.